You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. program pen and don in the studio from 10 to 12 today and today's show we're starting the first of many themes a walk down football's memory lane good morning don hey good morning pen and good morning to listeners out there on uh, a, a fine uh, beautiful saturday morning um it gets yeah. more beautiful every saturday we're on air because of the situation that we are in yep. we can hear more birds the skies are clearer at night especially with less planes zooming around and less things out there happening that's of our own doing and more of Mother Nature kicking in. That bit is absolutely fantastic it's, about the situation we're in. It's almost like a decluttering world now. Yep. And uh, I think everyone at, uh, who's sort of housebound is uh, doing their own bit of decluttering. I know my yes. dear Cathy has gone through every cupboard of ours and said, <laughs> we don't need these clothes and these, you know, go and take them down to the good sammies and, you know, help people out that need it and that sort of thing. And I, I'm sure, you know, the community spirit right now is um, at an all-time high pen where people are actually, you know, caring and uh, helping each other and thinking about others less fortunate. Absolutely, they are, Don, and that is the best thing about the situation that we are in. And besides the fact that Western Australia is like an island of its own. I mean, Australia is a bloody big island, but Western Australia has got its own isolation. Well, I reckon it's, it, I mean, your idea that yeah. you brought up earlier that we're talking about is the best idea. Yeah, yeah, like let's just uh, look after WA and uh, and do things that, you know, I mean, we, we are uh, such a, a, you know, beautiful state in, in every respect and we've got, uh, we've got a great health system, we've got a great Premier who's, re- you know, like really surprised me because I thought Mark McGowan was just a, a nice bloke. I didn't think of him as that, that bloke who was going <laughs> to stand up and be, you know, a real awesome leader, which he's doing right now. And, um, you know, like all credit to the 
people who are in political positions making the tough decisions. Uh, you know, sometimes the messages are very mixed and uh, we're, we're a little bit, um, you know, uncertain and wondering, oh, why'd they do that and why'd they do this? But, you know, we've got to take uh, everything on board and realise it's for our own good. But uh, starting up a, a local comp after this actually does die down and WA seems to be leading the charge at managing the uh, COVID-19, um, call it spread, you know, the, the curve seems to be pretty low and we're the only infections that we're getting are, and I'm no expert pen but I'm just going by you know what I observe and what uh, what I hear in the in the uh, call it the real news media <laughs> not the fake area and uh, I just feel that we've actually got things Under pretty control? much man yeah it's ma- being managed well yeah that's, and, that's and, a good way. and managed I th- well. yeah and I, I think I think we've got the ability and the people the, the smart people at medical levels uh, we've got the right doctors we've got fantastic hospitals second to none healthcare system you know I think we can get through this and and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and say one day we might be able to start our comp a lot quicker than the other states who are really struggling so just a devil's advocate on that. So we are a pretty big country. The distances between us all are massive. So the devil's advocate part might be, okay, is it more of a slow burn than anywhere else because of those distances and should we not be lulled into that false sense of security? Look, I think the distance is, you know, our biggest saviour. And, you know, in, in most respects, people used to say, oh, you know, we're so isolated from everybody else. And that turns out to be, you know, an, an actual benefit for our state. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be complacent, but I'd turn around and say, hold on, if we are managing this well, there, you know, and, you know, we're, we're coming into flu season and, and, you know, the winter cycle sort of, which will impact. But if if the actual, this virus is being well, um, you know, controlled, um, I, I can't see any reason why we can't just, um, you know, start grassroots again. Uh, but, you know, that'll be for the, the bigger boys to make the, the tough call on that. Uh, but, but as I said, you know, we, we can have a, you know, we can, WA can be the first state to get back to normality is what I'm hoping for. Well, we, we all... Like our normality, that's how we operate as humans. It's the stability and um, you know life that we all wish for. Mm. Um, I wish that everyone is safe. That's listening. Everyone is well. That's listening. Yep. We are going to have talk back today, and uh, don't ring in when I give the number right at this moment. But store this number, which is nine four nine four two one double zero nine four nine four two one double zero. We do have. Uh, guess as usual and then we'll have breaks and we will have more than one people can call in and we can put you all to air which is great so we'll have that during the show the guests that we have during the show are sheriff andrews who's the football west chair julius ree and elizabeth ree who are respectively life members and wa football hall of fame members liz is also a councillor in the city of sterling one of the biggest cities in the Perth region, so we'll catch up with how things are happening there, what's happening there, and we'll have a chat with Tom Samani, who's the former Matildas coach and is the New Zealand football ferns coach at this time. Not sure what that brings to his life at this moment, <laughs> but uh, we'll have a chat about that and, and great adventures and footballing stories. That's the theme in our walk down football's memory lane today. So if you ring up, give us something positive, share a joke or a nice joke or... Yeah. You know, something that you've done in your football life, something you've saved up for that was awesome, what your kids are doing right now that is unique and 
And I'm sure there's a lot of parents spending a lot more time with kids at home, homeschooling and whatever else it is that is family time. I like that part too, Don. Well, I went for a little bit of a clean-up at mum and dad's house now that they've been placed into aged care and uh, we're, we're sort of just doing a tidy up of the house and uh, it was amazing what I found in mm-hmm. dad's, you know, old uh, boxes and boxes. He's a, He was a great hoarder and uh, he had all these briefcases and stuff and we went through them just looking at some of the stuff and I found a, a yearbook, would you believe, from 1964, the official West Australian Soccer Federation Soccer Annual and Fixture Book and guess who was the president at that time? <laughs> Julius Ree. Unbelievable. Like, so I'm looking at this and going, and Dad was president at that time down at uh, Olympic, I think it was Olympic Macedonia in those days, but became Olympic Kingsway. Football in the blood, Don. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, definitely is. And uh, and then I found this unbelievable uh, annual ball from the Perth Azuri Soccer Club <laughs> souvenir program, 1981, Sunday the 4th of October. And some of the photos in there, like uh, just, you know, so many great memories in these books and... Um, and that's what I'm really looking forward to uh, when we chat to uh, Julius and his lovely daughter Elizabeth. Um, yeah, and and get, getting our people out there in football and giving giving us a, a call and talking about the beautiful memories they've had of this game here in WA. Yep. Before we go to a break, I do want to say a huge thank you to everyone that supports us, and that's you as the listeners listening in every Saturday. Um, out of the studio when my fantastic team that come and bring you football news um, are approached by anyone to say, love your show, Uh, we listen in, Uh, don't agree with that, but we listen in and um, ring us and text us and all those kind of things. We really do appreciate that. And when you become a member of the station and the uh, businesses that uh, join us as partners, we really do appreciate that and that's what keeps us going personally we're passionate about our football and it keeps us on air so a big thank you to everyone west coast futsal who of course will be having a very tough time right now it's all about competitions so um thoughts out to greg and the team at west coast futsal prosperity strata management louis prospero who's part of our team here um i'm sure things are doing okay out in strata land at this moment who knows what the future brings but uh, all the positive thoughts out to louis Perth Glory Football Club, well, the obvious is happening out there. There's no A-League at the moment, but uh, the media team are still pumping out things on the website and on their Facebook page. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, think of them like a Little Bunnings, family-operated business, ready to send out all bits and pieces for fencing and gates. And I can tell you, that's my business, and we are going great guns at the moment. So thank you very much, everybody who's supporting us in that regard. On the fencing and wrought iron side of things, the manufacturing install, that's operating a little differently these days. A um, few staff relocated out of the office, social distancing, but uh, the boys want to work. They want to put bread and butter on their table, just like all of us out there want to do that. Yep, uh, very important that we support all our uh, local local businesses. Pen, uh, yeah, shop local, support Australian-made products. After this um, period of time, we, we're definitely learning some hard lessons. Absolutely. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Sheriff. This is Pen and Don on the World Football Program. 107.9 FM, your local station. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. 
One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. 1972, under a scorching June sun, in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team, sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only world game, the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. We're back on air. This is Penn and Don, the World Football Programme here until noon today and all the way through to November. The end of the football season and all of the end of season wind-ups and the finals times usually, we'll have to see what that pans out this year. It could be stretched out a little bit, Penn. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Sheriff. How are you? Good morning, Penny. I'm good, thanks. Hi, Don. Morning, Sheriff. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Are you uh, enjoying this uh, period of, um, let's call it, abnormality? <laughs> Well, it, it's it's different, different. Yeah. Do a lot more talking than doing, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, no doubt uh, in the same uh, in your profession. You're uh, uh, working from home, or or still going with the big smoke? No, no. I've been uh, sitting at home for the last three weeks. My whole team has been. I'm quite used to it now. <laughs> and I mean, actually, you know, a couple of friends of mine said, "Well, we might all realise that um, after all this, that we can actually work from home, which will be a lot cheaper than hiring all those uh, very expensive buildings in the terrace." There uh, is, is there a new day dawning? Absolutely right. It's exactly what I've been thinking as well. And actually, in some respects, it's easier working from home. You're losing, you're saving a lot of time in travel and wasted time, and I'm actually more efficient. So, I think there'll be quite a few things after this that we just change reassess yeah well i I think it's time for the landlords to start uh, you know sharpening their pens and uh, you know making things more affordable for the the people that do want to rent their properties now don't lose sight of that home of football sheriff (laughs) (laughs) no No, the home of football is a must but uh, is that still uh, i mean while while we're in let's call it a downtime or a period of uh, is it hibernation is that the word yeah it's it's readjustment i think 
yeah, hibernation. The state football centre is still is still on the agenda, very much so. We, we were we were hoping that it would be announced at, um, in time for the budget, hmm. which is going to be very shortly. But as uh, you probably know, the budgets have all been put back to October now, so that puts the announcement back. But it doesn't mean that the work isn't going on in the background. So we're still hopeful that it's going to be ready in place for the 2023 Women's World Cup. That hasn't changed. And uh, obviously, you know, staff cuts and that sort of stuff uh, uh, sweeping across all codes, um, you know, so we're not uh, alone in that area. Uh, are our people still going to be there, obviously, uh, ready to go once, you know, things are back to a normal situation? Yeah, Don, you're right. It's pretty tough right across the board for all businesses. Um, sports probably worse, worse than most, and all sporting codes have had to make some make some sacrifices and we announced on Monday, and I've seen you know, changes at Football West, which uh, you know necessary, unfortunate, but the key thing is to make sure that we come out the other side strong and ready to ready to go. So when we do come out, we'll have a, you know all the people we need there and able to provide a football service. There was a question from uh, one of the listeners that, uh, in relation to um, our staff, and you know, like other codes, are, uh, the CEOs are taking haircuts on their pay packets and that sort of stuff. Will we be doing likewise to protect the cash that Football West have got in their kitty, and to protect the yeah. position so that they they'll be able to be there when football kicks back in again? Exactly. Yeah, both really good points. Absolutely, that's exactly what we've done. Um, I think we have. Um, we have stood down a lot of people, unfortunately, leave without pay. So everybody's been affected. They're either been stood down, leave without pay until we can come back, or they've reduced hours, so in effect reduced, reduced pay. So that applies to everybody and all casual people. And there's, there's over 100 casual people, coaches and whoever that work with, with Football West, they've all been stood down as well. So it's, it is massive, a massive uh, cutback. But, um, so if, you, if anyone does call Football West or email them and ask for things, be patient. There's yeah. far fewer people there than, than there would normally be. Yeah, and uh, obviously our CEO, James Curtis, is uh, having to uh, carry a, a lot of the workload. Um, will he be taking a personal um, cut in his uh, salary or is he uh, going to be... Yeah, ev- just- no, everybody. Everybody. Yeah, every single person has yeah. reduced hours. Yeah. Um, so James, so, so, I mean, James is CEO probably has has a lot of hours to put in um, at this time. But a great example is our COO. You might come across Greg Bleicher. Greg's, um, yeah, well, Greg's Greg's gone to leave without pay. He's actually a former army person. He's gone to work um, with the the, um, reserves. He's gone for the next two or three months to work with the army to help them in their COVID response. So, um, so there's one example of someone who's stepped down. But every, everybody's, everybody's affected, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we were just chatting. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine who's in the, um, let's call it the rock and roll industry, and he, uh, he does the concerts, and he was just talking to us about how it's impacted his business and there won't be any live uh, shows in in the eastern states till uh, January next year. And But he was saying that, you know, we're tracking fairly well here in WA, and he's been close to, um, you know, government uh, sources is trying to work out when he can reboot his business here in WA and hold events and that sort of stuff Uh, and he said that we're as a state that we're faring a hell of a lot better than the eastern seaboard and we may well be able to kick things off earlier here. Uh, Are you getting the same sort of vibe from from, uh, government when you talk to them? That's a really good question. That's probably the, the, the biggest question of all at the moment. When can we start again? We're all itching to start again, aren't we? Um it's interesting. You've seen the announcement that came out from um, the FFA this week saying there's no football before 31st of May, which probably is not a surprise to anybody given what, what's going on. Yep. 
Um, the key the key things, I guess, two aspects. There's one is health and safety of the, the community is, is number one. It's paramount. So we, we can't do anything until that's we've got some confidence on that. And really, when the government say they start releasing releasing things, uh, the requirements, then that that's first first aspect. The second one is. We're in the game of football. We want to start as soon as we can. I mean, as soon as we can go, we'll, we'll go. No doubt about it. Mm. In that, and I was talking to the FFA about about this very point, is that you, exactly what you say is right, Don. It's clear that right across the country we can't start until at least the 31st of May, but there's no reason if restrictions are lifted gradually across different parts of the country, they can't start sooner than others. Mm. I think if you look across the country, New South Wales is probably hitting hit far, worst, far worse than yep. we are. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we might, you're right, some places that started earlier, like, like ours, like Tasmania, Northern Territory, might be able to start a little earlier than others. E- even in WA, if you think about it, the government split WA into nine different areas, and they may say, well, look, in certain areas like you know, that, are, that are less affected, maybe you say the Great Southern or wherever it might be, you can start a little earlier than Metro Perth, for example. So wherever we can start earlier, we'll start earlier. I think that's probably the best way to answer, answer your question, yep. Don. That's good news. In regards to that... Um, we are a very big country and we're able to split like we're different countries and protect our different borders, which I think is uh, healthy and progressive for us managing this. But I think it's also important to recognise why we're doing that and how it benefits each of those areas. Like, West Australia is a very, very big state, the biggest state. I think we're bigger than Queensland, aren't we, Don? I have to say so. Yep. So a lot of spaces out there. So if we can protect the regions, I think, as long as we can get the messages out there to the regions. Mm. Um, and in the city areas, we're less populated than, say, New South Wales, which is denser, closer together. So you'd think that if they were affected by COVID, then it would spread into that population a bit quicker, whereas with Western Australia, it would have a, a slower burn or a lesser burn because mm. of those distances. And I think it's really important to recognise that mm. when we're staying at home and abstaining from the activities that we love, that we can probably get over this a bit quicker or not even get into it yeah. like the other states. And, yeah. and that's a really important thing for well, us to well, recognise. One, one of the things we were saying with um, friends at work was, um, does do you guys, do does anybody uh, that I work with or that I know in my family know anyone that's got COVID-19? And the answer was no. Correct. Do we know people that have mm-hmm. got a cold? Yeah, we got know a few people that have got the yep. sniffles. But no, there's no one that we can say... I, you know, my mate that I went to school with now got it or, you know, the, the guy that just down the road's got it. So when I walk around the streets of England with my dog, we're all waving to each other and all, you know, carrying on as, the, the, you know, life is positive, life's good. We've got this issue, um, but everyone stands their responsibility to remain, you know, in lockdown and, and, and be pretty much not... Uh, contacting people, not you know, so it's, it's all about touch. And and for a European, it's very hard, uh, Sharif. Uh, when when we greet each yep, other, it's always a hug and a kiss and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty hard now not exactly. doing that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, exactly. If we do the right thing and uh, follow the government requirements, that will hopefully we'll, we'll get away with this better. And, and and you're right. I don't know anybody locally. I know people on the east coast. I know people in the UK who've, who've been diagnosed and positive, but nobody here. Mm. And most people here, a lot of people here, are from cruise ships and. And things. Yes. So yep. closing the border and shutting the place down, hopefully we'll get through this quick as quick as possible. Yep. Um, just to, I just wanted to bring up a couple of uh, news items that yep. um, even though that things are in abeyance right now, the Matildas mm. are actually searching for uh, a new Matildas coach, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know how that looks on the uh, looking for coach landscape right now, but mm-hmm. um, uh, the current coach is, uh, well, 
uh, I think it was going to the Olympics and now that they've put the Olympics out, we need a new coach for that. And I noticed too in the news this morning that they have said the age is going to be lifted because if you can't compete in the Olympics in the current time period, you'll age out. So they've increased the age so that when they postpone to, I think it was next year, mm. those athletes can still compete in the Olympics, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it is great. Yep. Um, I think the FFA have requested it be lifted, don't they? The Olympics have agreed to it, yeah. We've requested it to be lifted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah. we all yeah. know the A-League's been postponed. Um, and, Don, I really like your idea of having intrastate competition. So bring it to the table, Don. Come on. Yeah, like we were just chatting about with our Aussie rules friends over here saying that, um, you know, the, the AFL is pretty much, um, you know, really going to be struggling in the NRL with, uh, you know, the big states of New South Wales and Victoria closing down. But um, it gives, um, you know, the uh, the waffle competition uh, a great uh, opportunity to relaunch itself and engage with all their supporters in, in their code. Um, could this be, you know, an opportunity for us to relaunch our, uh, our special brand, which we've always wanted to be the the shop front window in uh, in our NPL is is it an opportunity now to market this better because everyone's going to be champing at the bit for getting to see a football game can we can we use this call it period of um, nothingness as a way to then start marketing NPL WA uh, as a, a, a relaunch and, and a new vigor for for the competition to be seen as our our prime prime shelf product I don't know what football is going to look like when it, when this comes out, but we're going to make sure that it's stronger than we went into it. Um, I think you're absolutely right in what you say. People are going to be clamouring, clamouring for football, mm. and and dying to go to games. Uh, so anything we can do to get people to go to watch games, play games, train, get involved, I think um, I think there's going to be a big demand. So that I think we'll see people going. I've been starved of football to watch. I'll get down and watch it. Absolutely right. Uh, just uh, as a call out to our listeners, when we finish up the interview with Sheriff, we'll have open lines. So the number to ring is nine four nine four two one double zero nine four nine four two one double zero. So when the shout goes out again to ring in, please do ring in, uh, Sheriff. Uh, you're a coach in uh, football, women's football. Uh, how are your weekends looking now? What are you doing to keep uh, like football orientated? Like not not thinking football west and admin and uh, chair of football west, but like th- how are you filling in that space that was the coaching and being with the team? It's really hard, really hard. We we I, I guess the, the, there are Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups, and we contact one another. And the, the clubs being the clubs being quite good. They've they've got you know lots of things online. You can do with uh, with the players and, t- and the team and things to keep them in contact, but it's not it's not great, not easy, is it? W- watching watching on TV, watching old old things, watching. I watched. Um, I binge watched uh, the Sunderland till I die the other night. That was just fantastic. Really got me in the mood for football again. At least I, I do miss it. Binge watched the English game on Netflix. Anything to do with football on TV, I'm just devouring it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as. It's being with the team, isn't it? Nah. No. No, well, that's what we love about being part of the team is that you can go and socially engage with them, you yeah. can have a beer or pie with yeah. them. And but there's a lot of stuff, yeah, a lot of stuff on social media where, you know, uh, people are, are giving people ideas on how you can self-train in your backyard or go in your garage and do wall passing. I mean, you can, you, you can yeah. still keep yourself fairly active and fairly fit, uh, but you've got to do it pretty much um, on a solo basis. Um, so even yeah, going down to the do park, the effort, yeah. yeah. 
the FFA have got on their website lots of ideas and things for home mm. for home training, and lots of clubs are doing it uh, as well individually. So there's still a lot of that around, absolutely. Now, parents, I was just going to... I remember as a, as a kid, the hours and hours I spent just hitting a ball against the wall. Yeah. By myself, that's the best way to get your touch. Yeah, get your touch sorted. That's real good. One one question uh, with with, I notice a lot of parents sort of asking the question that because they paid their fees and that sort of thing, and and they're asking, you know, it's hard times now. There are some families that you know need that fee money to basically put food on the table. What what sort of advice has um, or has Football West given clubs advice, or are you leaving it up to individual clubs how they handle um, you know parents' inquiries? In, in relation to uh, fees that they've paid? Is there any sort of um, uh, way to assist families who are in distress? Yeah, yeah, good question. Well, at the moment, football's still on. The season's just being postponed. Yep. Um, but until we get more clarity on when we start, which is the big question we said earlier, we don't really know the answer to that one. Um, we're still convinced football will, will be played this year. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a period where people have already registered will still get to play and we're hoping people who haven't registered yet will will start to register when that starts what it looks like will we be making up two games a week will we be going you know a couple of months longer will we be going up into Christmas who knows but there will still be football this year um, so will we so get, still will, will, worked on. Sorry, yeah, Sharif, will Football West or FFA be discounting what they normally charge clubs and players for, call it, uh, registra- registration? So will, will there be a pro rata type um, f- fee basis for the, for this quite yeah. unique year? I, 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 yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't fully know the answer to that, but I certainly hope so. Mm. I certainly hope so. Whether it's pro rata or not, I don't know. I think from, from the Football West FFA point of view, we certainly hope it would be pro rata or better. Mm-hmm. There are some costs like insurance, and that we're still negotiating with those sort of people to figure out how we can you know, yep. have less than a year's worth of premium for them. Yep. For clubs, mm-hmm. every, every club's different because it, it's tough in club land as well. Mm-hmm. And, and lots of clubs I'd know would have um, would have paid for balls and shirts and bibs and cones and all those things and you pay the same amount for them whether you play a full season or half a season so it's up to the individual clubs how they're organised so there's lots of different complexities on this unfortunately has, has the certainly gov- hope that we'll do the right thing Sorry, has the government um, you know, hinted that they may look at uh, offering uh, uh, let's call it a funding package to support not just football, but all sporting clubs, because all sporting clubs are basically so... Major fabric it, of our country. It it's, yeah. it's, it's helps with mental health. It helps with yeah. general overall health. It's so important that we do get that uh, helping hand to just lighten the uh, the burden on the families who are going through this tough time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, in terms of the three levels of government, and so we're talking to all three levels of government. Um, at the federal level, it's with the FFA, and and, and it's interesting that whilst predominantly there, there's the, the first, there's three crises really they're dealing with. The main one being health and medical, which we understand. The second one being economic, but the third one, which is emerging, is exactly as you say, is this question of this question of social isolation and and and. and the fabric of society and that's going to be a crisis that, that increases in cr- uh, over time and get, only get worse mm. and and talking to government they see community sport community sport as being part of the solution and mm-hmm. so get to give back some sort of meaning to life and and, and we're and, and football is the number one sport as you know in terms of community football so there is something with the ffa at that level we're talking to the state government you might have seen i think it was earlier this week or last week they announced that they were going to fund a hundred and 10 million roughly for community and community sporting and um, 
art and those sort of groups, mm. which we will be part of that. We'll apply to that along with every other sport, every other so every other um, arts organisation and those sort of things. So they have, they are um, they are in that process of doing it, and then um, and the local government have been helping out as well in terms of producing fees and you know, uh, etc. for clubs and working through that too. So it's a lot of discussion with government and government. We are part of the solution. We come out of it. I think it's going to, as you were saying earlier, people are going to be clamoring for social interaction and community sport is probably, well, I'm biased. Nothing is the best way of doing it, but a lot of people in government agree as well. Tell tell us about the positives that came out of the AGM, the recent Football West AGM. Yeah, the AGM was was, was a really interesting one. I mean, we've been holding AGMs for years and normally it's a face-to-face affair and you have your... um, you have lots of questions and it's a very social thing. This time, of course, we couldn't do that because of uh, government restrictions, etc. So we actually held it as a, as a Zoom meeting virtually online, which was a rather odd experience. But um, it was also interesting. It, it was We gave the presentation as we normally do. Um, I, I normally would normally, this is my first one as chairman, and normally the chair would just would, would read out what was in the chairman's report, the annual report, but this time I decided not to because it was kind of irrelevant. It had been written you know, a couple of months ago and I talked about what's happening at the moment. And because it was fairly even, so the members of Football West include the, the associate regional associations and, and, and whether you were sitting in you know Bustleton or Geraldton or Albany you could, it was the same as whether you were sitting in Perth and so it was quite an even some of the feedback I got from some of the regions were saying that it was actually quite good they felt like they were an even playing field with the people who were in Perth and that was quite nice and everyone could sit in their lounge room and was able to ask questions of uh, myself and James and the board and uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. It might be, it might, I mean, as we were saying, we, things may change in the future. And I'm not saying we go to 100% virtual next year, but we might have that as a facility that we might do in a vi- video link somehow. So, I don't know, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting yeah, approach. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the level playing field part is great. Um, this Zoom video conferencing or meeting thing, I think, is going to become quite uh, popular over the next few months as everybody relocates out of their workplaces or a lot of people uh, relocate and then figures out how to reconnect again. So the first thing is we had to get out of our workplaces and now we're like, okay, how do we now connect a bit better? And all these, uh, I know my daughter who's 13, uh, Sheriff, uh, she gets onto a a laptop during the day while I am at work and uh, she's doing her work and then she's doing Minecraft then she's doing her schoolwork and then she's Skyping and then she's doing all these other things with her mates to keep in touch and they do these group chats stuff I don't know about yet because I don't have to do it at work yet, but she does all this conferencing with her soccer mates and her schoolmates to keep in contact, which is quite nice. <laughs> no, it's very clever. I've been using Zoom and Microsoft Teams immensely over the last three weeks while I've been working at home. Well, yesterday I was taught exactly in the same way when my daughter. It was my birthday yesterday. And uh, we couldn't really have a party. Yeah, birthday, thank yeah. you. Mm. And, and so as we, had, as we had the cake and it was isolated here, my daughter showed how on FaceTime we could link up my, my son in London, my mum and dad in Glasgow, and my other son who was on the other side of Perth, and we all had a FaceTime together. I never even knew you could do that. It was, <laughs> it was really cool. So so learning a lot. Now, before we let you go, um, tell us or send us off with a great memory from your footballing portfolio. It was hard. When, when, when you um, when you said let's think about about history and and, uh, and whatever, I thought what, one thing that struck me. I, I came out to Australia first in 1994. I grew up in Scotland, and first day I got here, first I got here on the weekend, and my friend said, "Come down and come down and train one night." So, I was, so I took us down to um, 
leaming strikers down at John Connell Reserve. And I was training there one evening. This is about the third day in Australia. I was running around. And as we were training, a kangaroo jumped out from the, from the hedgerow, from the from Jandicott there, and it jumped, ran right across the across the pitch. I thought, wow. This, <laughs> That's a new see, signing. This is, what tra- this, is, this is what football's like in Australia. Kangaroos all People told me this. I didn't believe it. I thought it was just a myth. And, you know, in 25 years, whatever, that's the one and only time that's happened. But I thought it's happened all the time. No, the same thing happened to me at Olympic Kingsway. When Kingsway Reserve was opened up, it was all bushland. So we had this wonderful park right in the middle of bush. (laughs) So when we went training, there were kangaroos just sitting on the side of the pitch. And every now and then they'd come over and join us. And we'd, we'd always say, like... Don't go down that in there. There's a big root. <laughs> he doesn't like people mixing in his turf. So. Yeah, yeah. Where John Connell mm. Reserve is for Leeming Strikers, that would have been a long time before the Row Highway went through. Mm. No kangaroos yep. there now. Yeah, no, you're yeah. Right. no, that's right. Great memory there. Yeah. yeah, good one. Thanks for that, Sheriff. And yeah. thanks very much for joining right. us on the program today. Really do appreciate that. Yep. Keep well and healthy, no Sheriff, problem. and look forward to uh, getting Thanks, that Don. game, that round ball rolling again. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. Me, too, me too. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Don. Cheers. Bye. See you, Bye. That was Sheriff Andrews, the chair of Football West, and mm. in a voluntary position, he's uh, short of keeping that position, and uh, it's good to hear that they're taking same measures that a lot of organisations around the world are. They're reducing their staff as they can. Yep. Um, working from home, cutting the pay so they can keep their jobs and, and keep us um, being administered. I, I don't know how that's going to look on the other side because, t- for me, mm. uh, if there's less people administering a growing game, when mm. we step back into it, does that mean we are able to access those same resources, those same stuff again, or do we retrain? Does it take longer? Mm. I, I mean, And will they find other jobs in correct. the meantime to feed their families? Absolutely. So, well, yeah, and, and these are all the unknowns that have to be faced when, uh, when the time comes that we reboot football. Yes, absolutely. If you'd like to ring in and have a chat, the number is 94942100. You've got Penn and Don in the studio and we are ready to take your calls. We're going to keep on talking otherwise because we're pretty good at that. <laughs> um, Don, mm. NPL WA mm. can continue in Western Australia. Yeah. The waffle can continue in Australia. In West Australia. Basketball can continue. All of these great yep. sports can actually yeah. play on if we manage things. Correct. And, you know, for me, I, I see WA as the uh, – we become the leader of, of Australia in terms of, you know, getting the country's confidence going again. But other states could do the same. No, I'm sure Northern Territory could do the Tasmania. same. Tasmania could do the same. South Australia maybe, you know. So it's really – I think the, the three three states that are hardest hit are obviously New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland and um, and. You know, they're, they're neighbours basically, and they're they're all pretty much uh, suffering the same problem. So hopefully, um, you know, on on that side, I've got our lovely daughter Tash over there, and uh, she keeps me fully up to speed with how things are over there. And yeah, it's a little bit worrying, but um, no, she's um, she's still very confident that um, all things are being done to um, get it back under control. So fingers crossed for the, all the our loved ones over there on the East Coast. Yes, yeah. Mm. I'm, I, for one, am keeping in contact with everybody that I know as much as possible. Communication is the key to everything at the moment. Absolutely. If you can't 
land on someone's doorstep or see them at work or see them in sport, yep. then uh, I'm on the phone or text message them, say, hey, how are you doing? Anything mm. that you need? Can we kind yeah. of arrange anything for you? Or just, hi, just checking in. And look, I think this, the advice that I give people out there that, you know, because we're all affected differently by isolation or, you know, having to adjust to this new world that we're in at the moment. And um, and I, I just say to people, there's so much information being shoved down our throats via that TV. Just turn the TV off for a couple of days. The world's not going to change. Put some music on, chill out, relax, do the things that you like doing, whether it's, okay, like Sharif said, you know, w- w- uh, doing a binge session on <laughs> on Netflix or, you know, or, or you know, old... old uh, Old videos. I mean, I, I went through some of our, you know, call it holidays that we did in 2010, just reminiscing when we were in France and looking at the great fun that we had, you know, during that period there and just do stuff that puts a smile on your dial. Um, and yeah. uh, Louis Prespero sent a message in to say, sorry, I should have picked this up earlier, Louis. Um, FFA and Football West can finalise their, finalise their constitutions now. They've got more time on their hands. <laughs> Good point, Lou. <laughs> I'm sure they can. Yeah. Um, we are going to go to a break and we'll come back and have a chat with the Ree family. Mm. This is Penn and Don on the World Football Program. Stay safe, Australia. Uh, good to catch up with you. Let's start about this ongoing, well, you have to say dispute now, PFA and uh, several uh, leading A-League clubs with news now that Adelaide uh, reportedly a fourth club to stand out its entire football department as of today. That's very true, Jimmy. We understand that our colleagues in the Adelaide Advertiser have broken the story this morning, suggesting that all their football operations department have now been stood down for the foreseeable future. That joins the Central Coast Mariners, who did that yesterday. Perth Glory were obviously the starters of this ongoing six, this, this plan, really, that they've all come up with, a few of the A-League clubs. Brisbane Roar is another that have been rumoured to have done so as well, and realistically, you can see more clubs doing it. The PFA have got a lot of work on their hands now. John Didlitz has been kind enough to join us on Fox Sports News, the, the PFA CEO, numerous times across the last week, and it is an ongoing battle to try and protect his PFA members who now have no salaries for the foreseeable future until the A-League is able to resume. Remember that the FFA have issued the date of April 22nd is when they're going to resume or try and sit down again and and look at the plan as to when they could possibly resume the A-League campaign. But unless you're one of the bigger clubs in the league, maybe a Sydney FC, I spoke to Anthony Caceres, the midfielder, yesterday. He said that as far as the players are aware... Sydney FC have said they're going to absolutely try and honour the contracts. Danny Townsend, the CEO, spoke recently and said almost they, they feel like they've been undone by their own hard work because they've signed up so many good players for next season, trying to manage their business in the best possible way and then a financial crisis like this hits and it leaves them in a tricky position. Um, it's my understanding that Melbourne City will be OK for the time being because they are part of a bigger scheme and, of course, the, the City Football Group, who are Manchester City being the jewel in the crown there. But... It is a really worrying time for not just the football players, but the staff members at these A-League clubs. And the PFA CEO, John Dilitza, said as much on Fox Boss News last night. Let's take a listen. I think the players demonstrated incredible goodwill and support for the competition in choosing to play on amidst the COVID-19 shutdowns a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to see that commitment not reciprocated from the club owners is incredibly disappointing. The reality is with the A-League that the lion's share of the season is over. Um, Most of the prepaid revenues are already in place. Um, Season tickets, a whole host of things have already been banked by the clubs. So I think there's an element of opportunism in the way some of the clubs are acting. Uh, Players are already enduring a significant amount of anxiety 
in the absence of a career potentially beyond this season and actions by clubs that compound that border on reckless. Uh, resolving these matters can be complex. Uh, resolving these matters take compassion and that's what's been lacking um, in the inability for the club owners to actually reach out to the other stakeholders and work through this. Well, Dottie, we've seen obviously players from other codes face pay cuts. Um, the A-League, of course, will be no different to that. The, but a very different challenge. There's a school of thought thing. They could be potentially hit the hardest. Mm. As we know, in this new world now where there was the split where really they had FFA control in the A-League, it's really the clubs now, in essence, running their own ship. And we're seeing now that with that comes their rules and players are left greatly exposed. So it sits. Can they get any help from the FFA on this front? Where do they sit? Well, the FFA Chief Executive James Johnson has been pretty adamant over this in the last period that this unbundling process, as he calls it, of the A-League going independent is still taking place. It hasn't fully happened yet. But he did say very recently, on Fox Sports News actually, that he said the FFA are monitoring this situation and they will act accordingly because it is their duty to hold you know, the best interest of the game at heart. They are the overseers of the game in Australia and if they feel as though their players are being hard done by or it's, da it's going to potentially damage the long-term future of football in Australia and the A-League, then they will act accordingly. But what started as a one-man mission from Perth Glory, Tony Sage made the decision to stand down those players, has now snowballed and other clubs have seen, OK, well, you've done it, we're going to have to do it as well. He opened the door, didn't he? He opened the door to it, and uh, John Didelitzer is right. It's not... You know, you've got to remember, the A-League is only 15 years old, and it doesn't have the stockpiled cash reserves that the AFL does, or for that matter, even that the NRL does. The average salary of an A-League player is half what the AFL is, and it's considerably less than the NRL as well. You've got, you know, nearly 50% of the PFA's members in Australia are going to be out of contract on the 31st of May leaves a terrible amount of uncertainty for these human beings because, you know, if you're going to be realistic, no football club in the world at the moment is going to be renegotiating contracts or signing new players because they don't know when the, the league is going to resume. They don't know where the money's coming from at this stage. And as much as football is, professional football is a lucrative career, it's not that lucrative. You know, if you look at the average not salary... Not in the domestic level. If you look at the average salary of a, um, a young player in the A-League, it's probably around $50,000 a year. You know, it's not like the Premier League where someone like Mesut Ozil at Arsenal is on $500,000 a week. You know, you think how many A-League players, for example, yearly salary would fit into what he earns a week. So they've got a lot to worry about that play in that instance. In terms of protecting their members, you've then got to factor in things like the mental health, that this is going to affect of the players, given that there's going to be so much anxiety about their futures. You know, it's not a long-term career, a professional footballer. And if you're a player currently at the moment and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, even though you have a signed contract with a club, it's going to potentially severely damage players' rapport with the clubs, but also the long-term future of the A-League itself. So, it's a really tough position that John Didelitzer and the PFA find themselves at the moment and they are having to fight fires on a daily basis now because you just don't know when the next club is going to come out and say, yeah, we're standing down our players as well. Well, OK, it comes down to who carries the biggest stick, the FFA or do the clubs themselves? And mm -hmm. at the moment, it looks like the clubs uh, have 
most of the, the power in that regard. Um, we do wait and see. It will be an ongoing battle for the players, there's no doubt. Look, you did mention Premier League. Where's that up to at the moment in terms of uh, them potentially getting back on field, but also coping with this crisis themselves? So we know that there is a, a potential plan in place for June, July, the European summer, to try and resume the Premier League then. Whether or not that does go ahead behind closed doors, it remains to be seen. But in the meantime, clubs are announcing non-playing staff are taking job cuts. Some have been stood down altogether. Newcastle United have stood down their non-playing staff on unpaid leave for the foreseeable future. And Tottenham Hotspur, Jimmy, were the, were the latest to announce that 550 non-playing staff will take 20% pay cuts for the next two months. Interestingly as well, they're going to use what's called the, uh, the furlough job scheme. It was introduced by the UK government to help try and protect those people's jobs who have been stood down in the interim period. Um, the reason there's been quite a bit of controversy, uh, controversy, I should say, about this in the UK is because based on the last Deloitte financial survey, in terms of revenue gained, Tottenham were the eighth biggest club in the world. They're owned by a man called Joe Lewis, who is worth about $8 billion. He lives in the Bahamas, which is a tax haven. The chairman, Daniel Levy, made around £7 million last year. Some of that was coming from the stadium deal that he completed. And the average player's pay at Tottenham is around about £130,000 a week. Um, and the reason that there's been criticism over this is a lot of people have said, well, you shouldn't be eligible for this government scheme because your companies are worth so much money. And I know Tottenham and uh, amongst all the other professional football teams in, in the UK and around Europe aren't playing games at the moment, so there are going to be payments towards them that aren't forthcoming. But when you've got an owner of a club who is worth £8 billion, it's, sorry, $8 billion. I think he could just slide a little bit extra yeah. to his like staff. Like with Manchester City as well, Sheikh Mansour. You know, so it's, it's a very tricky position they're in at the moment, but... Football, more football clubs around the world are going to be cutting the salaries of their players in order to, to navigate them through this crisis. Yeah, I think they'll be doing it OK at the moment. They'll keep the wolves from the door. I think so. Yeah. All right, Dottie, good to catch up, mate. Thanks, Jimmy. You're back with the World Football Program team and Don and Penn in the studio today. And that was a really interesting interview. I like those guys. Yep. Um, and just talking about the ma massive amounts of pay that top-end athletes are receiving... It's yeah. If, they, if, they, if they took pay cuts, Outrageous. I'm sure they wouldn't endanger their lives. Yep. They would have huge investments somewhere they can pull from. Correct. And um, then it would allow the lower end part of our game to survive better. Share the cake because yeah. this is a time where everyone needs to stay healthy and alive. And uh, if you kill the grassroots clubs, I mean, uh, I, I heard stories where there's probably two divisions are going to be wiped out in, in the uh, English football leagues yep. because the, the clubs just can't afford yep. it. They're going to go under. So everyone's got to, you know, chip in. And like yeah. we're, as everyone keeps saying, we're all in this together. You we know? are. So we've got to help each other out. Those that at the top end have to give to the yep. to, to the grassroots. In whatever way we can. And it's a good mm. morning to Elizabeth Ree. Hi, Liz. Good morning, Pen. How are you? I'm good. We've got Don Evans in the studio having a chat with you today. Hi, Liz. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, hi, Don. Hope you're travelling well and yeah. healthy. Yeah, as healthy as can be. Yeah, we're all good, bouncing along as usual with lots to talk about, just yeah. in a different kind of way. That's it. Mm. And you can relate to that, can't you, Liz? You are number one networker extraordinaire, counsellor in the City of Stirling, an advocate for all things good. Go, Liz. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, there's, there's a lot of champions in the community out there. A lot yes. of us are very silent, but sometimes you've got to be a bit louder to get your message across. Yeah. But uh, I do agree, um, sport is fundamental to the West, the Australian way of life and also to a lot of multicultural organisations and groups 
So not being able to play or watch sport has um, got really people scratching. <laughs> Frustrating to say the least, uh, Liz, but yep. um, we still get our dose of, um, let's call it, um, you know, memory lane type stuff, looking at uh, historic games and that, but that only goes so far, you know, we, everyone is itching to get back out there on the pitch and uh, and you're someone that's been involved in sporting clubs for a long, long time, especially through the Reeve family, very famous name in football in Western Australia and a great tradition, great history and your dad's a great man, we can't say anything uh, less than that to honour his his contribution, but as as being a daughter of such a great man, what what sort of um, influences has he had on you in respect to our code, our sport, football? Well, I think from a young age, having to attend soccer matches, uh, helping out, picked up from school, printing off programs, selling programs, um, working, making sandwiches, all the grassroots things you did in those days where nobody got paid and mum was sitting there, you know, I don't know how many eggs, curried egg sandwiches she made, but uh, you know, the ones we peeled seemed to go on forever. Uh, but I think it also taught you a sense of community. We were always, dad taught us always to go out and help people and they were involved in usually in the sporting clubs um, getting older people to come and just watch the game because just watching a game, even if you can't play it, is very good for your mental health. And I suppose that's what I was raised in that environment and uh, uh, I've got a severe genetic problem because I do the exact same thing my dad did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I call it the, uh, it's a good disease. The, the, the disease of football is actually a very, very good one and uh, once you've got it, you... you, you it's infectious. It gets handed down to every family member, even if they hate our sport. They uh, they learn to like it because the people in the sport. And I mean, you speak about the elders who you know. I, you know, for me, that's the people that I love and respect. When I see those people at Dorian Garden sitting up there in that you know behind that uh, the glass partition, mm. enjoying a, a game of football and you know talking with their mates, not not just their old mates, but young family members. You know, their nephews, their nieces. It's it's a family occasion to go to a football game is is a, such a social uh, interactive and good thing because these guys are in their 80s pen and they just they they are books of knowledge they, you know it's just wonderful to see at Perth Soccer Club at Sterling uh, Massey's at um, uh, Florida Athena you know you go to all these aging clubs who have got people that are really the foundation of all those clubs Finney Holmes they're still there I was up Mr. in Mr Finney brilliant Dorian Gardens mm. um, behind the glass area. Yep. What do you what do you call that? Uh, yeah, the VIP section. Yeah, there. the VIP yeah. section. And yeah. um, I sat down next to him, and we're just chatting football. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And um, he introduced himself, gave yep. me his card. Yeah, as he should. <laughs> as he, he's one of Perth's biggest networkers and, and best builders. <laughs> yeah, I told him I was in the fencing game. Yeah. He told me he was in the building game. And yep. we just had a bit of a chat about football and about the industry. I and mean, I don't know, that was about a year or two ago. It might have even been a bit more. I thought, great. Look, Good on you. Look at that ad. In, uh, Liz, just for your um, uh, advice, I'm holding up the Perth Azuri Soccer Club uh, at 20th Annual Ball, which was held in uh, Sunday 4th October 
1981. And in it, there's photos of, of the great teams and the people. And here's an ad saying, Finney Homes, 155 High Road, Williton, WA 6155, builders and developers of residential and commercial buildings. That's how far back yep. Mr Finney's That's in know, my neighbourhood support too. and contribution goes back to that club and so many other people like that. And um, But for you, um, growing up in that environment and now seeing this generation ageing, um, can you see that the, that the future is in good hands, Liz, with the next generation? Oh, I think there's nothing better than watching grandparents bring their grandchildren to a game, especially yeah. local games where kids can run around, whether it's at Dorian or Inglewood or wherever it is, um, even Celebration Park. It's, it's good to see the generations. And, and people forget that kids can just run around without a screen. Mm. And uh, so it's... It's nice to get the kids to come. And it's surprising even when you see kids that are only two that will just sit there and watch a game and like, whoa, you know, and they'll just sit on their granddad's lap thinking this is the world. And that's what we are lucky in Australia for people to be exposed to. And it keeps the old people alive and keeps the young interested. Mm. And I don't know if you remember when... Dad started the night series. People mm. said, "Oh, people won't come out at night." Mm. But when it was first at the Wacker, mm. which was a bit different. But then when it went to the Velodrome and we had the cycling and the, had people playing soccer at night, that was, I think, one of the biggest generational changes that I can remember as a kid, because it was massive the amount of people that used to come out at night, and people go, "Well, who's going to come out at night and watch sport?" It was, Look at it today. Oh, it was we a, watch most of our games at night. So I brilliant. think those sort of changes that my father and a lot of other people of that same ilk said, well, why don't we use it, you know? Mm. It's, nothing's happening with it at night. Mm. We need to use it more. So I think that brings people together and brings people out. I'm just reading from the 1964 yearbook that your dad uh, put together, and uh, <laughs> as he was the uh, president of the WA Soccer Federation, and uh, and just in his preamble at the uh, the first two pages, it, it, and it just shows how strong uh, your father and his committees of that time were in in networking the game, and like just my sincere thanks to go out to our genuine s- supporters to Ampol Petroleum for the Ampol Night Series, five hundred pounds a cup and a competition that gets better and keener every year to Tom Dorsonia for donating the cup for the Federation's knockout competition in which all clubs take part and which will be no- notable this year for the introduction of a double header matches to, so these initiatives were being done way back and that's what what really were the foundations of making the uh, soccer competition in those years so strong and not just with uh, the ethnic communities but all people wanted to come and watch you know, these guys who were, some of them were international players who came over here to escape war. So th- those times were pretty exciting when your dad was at the helm. Well, that's true. And I think, too, you've got to realise that people have got to have vision. It's a lot harder to have vision today to get things done because there's so much red tape and so much politics. Whereas years ago, it was oh, that's a really great idea. And even though some people try to knock you down with a tall poppy, mm. but majority of people wanted things to happen, mm-hmm. wanted things to make a difference, but they also wanted to be together. Mm. Very European to come out together. Mm. You know, the Poms loved watching games and everything. So I think it, it, it makes it actually healthy 
for people to go outside and they were looking for a reason. Hey, Liz, I've got a question for you. Your dad was one of 13 kids. So that meant you had a lot of uncles and aunts. Was there a lot of football conversations or was your dad and yourself maybe the football passionate? Tragics. <laughs> no, everybody is crazy. Everybody's <laughs> crazy. I mean, one of, one of dad's brothers started the Azuri um, soccer club to start with. Uncles started football clubs. They started rugby clubs. They... They started that many clubs. I suppose they were bored. They had to work all day and whether they liked it or not. So they had to have some out. So they were always football, some some sport or another that everybody was involved with. And when we all get together, it's like who saw the best goal and who didn't. And you were sitting on the wrong angle. You were sitting up the top. No, it was better this one. The, art the referee was wrong because you were sitting over there. No, you had the sun in your eyes. Yes, yeah, it does still goes on from when I was a kid today. <laughs> we all get together of, of who did the best goal. And we're all very proud that most of us at one stage or another have gone to see higher games, gone mm. to the World Cup Series, and it's just the same. Yeah. When, when, when we come back from a game overseas, it's like, did you see that? No, you're wrong. That was better. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all connoisseurs, but we're yeah. all experts. What about the younger generation? So with uh, 13 in your dad's generation, brothers and sisters, what about in your generation? Is there a lot of kids? Um, funnily enough, we have a, a lot of kids. Uh, I think we're up to 186 in the Ree family. Wow. Dad's parents. So that's now, a lot of football banter. The, we all talk via email, via internet. We've got cousins in America that we're... Was that we Skyped with the other day to make sure that they were okay. Mm. Um, cousins in England, in mm. London. So wherever you are in Melbourne, you know, we try to make sure we're all still connected. And I think that's a, a tribute to my dad and his parents that, you know, they kept, even though some of the boys were born in different places and they had to go live in different places, we all stayed connected. Dad used to go over to America to make sure they realised that, you know, we're all still one family. And I think that's what one of our better assets is that when something goes wrong, we all do pull together very well. Yeah, family re reunions would uh, require a lot of pasta at, mm. the, uh, at the table to feed all that lot. A football field with <laughs> <a> space <laughs> too. <laughs> very much so. And, and, I, and we still have a lot more boys than girls. My son had a, a daughter and in our lot, just our lot, she was the first girl for 25 years in our family. Wow. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the boys still reign. Okay. And uh, what about some uh, football stories? Uh, I guess the Your most memorable football story yeah. as, a, as a kid growing up in, uh, in in your dad's shadow as as the leader of football in WA, what, what was the exciting stuff like? Was it when Man United came to town? Was it when Georgie Best was playing here oh, as a guest player? I think player? It'd, have to be, it'd have to be when Georgie Best, when Dad said to Mum, Dad rang Mum and said, well, um, I'm bringing over some soccer players, uh -oh. you know. <laughs> and uh, and mum goes, okay, you know, just give him something to eat. 
Okay. Just you know, and my mum could cook anything and dad would cut off and give her a five minutes notice. <laughs> and who came over? Georgie Best. And we were all sitting in the lounge room in our jammies. <laughs> all were young. And Georgie And there comes Georgie Best. Oh, hello, this is Mr. Best. Hello, Mr. Best. I'm <laughs> watching TV still and sat at the table. Mum cooked him dinner. They all sat there and talked about various things and... Um, you know, they just mum and dad just talked about all sorts of bits and pieces. We just sat there. George was right. on his best behaviour. Another soccer player, <laughs> Georgie Best, in yeah. your pajamas, yeah. in your jammies, and he was uh, <laughs> obviously had to be on his best behaviour. <laughs> well, I don't know. I do recall times when we, when they were all um, had probably far too much uh, to drink. Yep, and um, we were at um, soccer games, and and mum would just say, "Go and all slip in the car." So we all just slept in the car until everybody was ready and they organised people and Dad dropped them back to hotels and whatnot and then we eventually got home because we always had to be the last to leave because we always had to make sure the place was clean. So we always had to clean it up before we went. Otherwise, we wouldn't let it go home. What a great memory. Can you actually remember any of the games, the the international games that came over and was there one that um, left, you know, a really big uh, impression on you? I mean, recently we've had, obviously, Man United and Chelsea come to the Optus Stadium, which is, I mean, for us as football tragics, it, it was a proud day to see the stadium full of people and watching, you know, some of the best uh, uh, teams in the world back in town. What 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 uh, t- type of memory have you got, have you got of uh, games? that you've actually watched? Well, I think the Man U game at Perry Lake. Yes. The, I, I think having um, been a ran at Perry Lake as a, a doing athletics, yep. you know, you get a sense of people in the stadium. But when um, we actually had a, a the soccer game with Manchester United, it was, like, amazing. And I mm. haven't probably experienced it to such extent until I went to the World Cup. Yep. The the people, you know, um, screaming for Australia and um, it was amazing. And, mm. um, you know, like uh, it was very deafening, very, very deafening in those days. Uh, and I think that's what stands out, the Manchester United game. The Perry Lakes game really do because it was such a, a family atmosphere and it was just like something you'd never seen. Mm. I mean, I still have never been to the Olympic Games and... You know, um, I think that it was something that people thought this had only ever happened once. Yeah. I don't think people ever thought they'd come back later. So I think those sort of things that Perry Lake stand in ahead, and and now there's no Perry Lake. No, so it's a suburb. This is why, yeah. I, and no Sibiaco Oval. This is yeah. why I think it's really important to keep the Wacker. Yeah. Because the WACA holds a lot of history for a lot of variety of sport, Correct. whether it's football or soccer. Or cricket. And yeah. um, this crash and burn idea that we get rid of all our yeah. traditional places, I think, is a bit sad. So I hope the WACA stays forever. Yep, agree. So, so just on that, um, the crowd makes the environment and the atmosphere, and that's one of the reasons that we become members of a sport, is not just because we want to see a match, but because we want to go where our mates are and we, we want to share that passion and that yeah. love. It's a sense of belonging. Yeah. yeah, and so when they call off the games and postpone seasons for any sports I'm talking about, not just our A-League, yeah. and then the athletes want to keep playing like they're still talking about, is it Wimbledon or the golf tournaments or, or, or racing and stuff like that, that they want to continue, but would there be crowds and how would that affect the athletes and the participants in it when 
the atmosphere is probably 50% of the reason they're playing that. They're athletes and they get paid to go out there and do their job. But when you've got a crowd there and there's a hum and that they're, you know, shouting and cheering when you score a goal or egging the referee on as it might be, and all those kind of things contribute to a game. So do the athletes want to play in that environment? It's just something that... You know, I think so. I, I think they do. If you talk to... If you're on the field... When people are yelling and screaming and that, it does spur you on. I mean, you see it even in a glory game, even when you watch the Matildas. You have a whole lot of people screaming and that. They can also influence the referee, Mm -hmm. but can't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, The people you do, you sit there and you pick up your socks and say, look, you know, these people are out here screaming for me. I need to work harder. It's only about a goal. It's one goal. We can do it. And that, I think mentally spurs you on I think it would be so hard to play a game with nobody there yeah it would be like training but then again that's what they're considering aren't they I mean some of the sports that haven't yet called off their major international events that bring in a whole lot of money because people watch them or there's tv rights to cover them would they still be covered if there weren't people um there at the grounds uh, would the sponsorship still be the same? I mean, all these questions are arising for these things. And the racing industry is an interesting one, I thought. Mm. They want to continue, mm. uh, like uh, thoroughbred racing. Yep. Um, and does that mean that there'll be no crowds because you're not allowed to no, congregate? No, no crowds. So yeah. they, they only allow the trainers and the uh, the jockeys and uh, I think I don't think that they even allow owners in. So Wow. Yeah, so that's quite a unique industry that's still kicking on which um i suppose gives you know the gamblers who are out there a, a chance to uh still have their flutter and keep their um you know interest in something but i mean it's it's whole, not not really the sport of people it's the sport of kings really yeah, isn't it you yeah know? it's a whole Whereas, different way of looking at the yeah. things that are normal in our life mm. Mm. um liz what about in the city of sterling what are you you're you're still getting out and about and doing your she's job? very active yep. liz goes to every soccer club in that area yep. and they all know her as you know a, a woman who uh, stands up for clubs rights yep. uh, at council level so on that side i can only uh, praise liz's contribution to football in in the city of sterling but uh, liz yep. you take over and tell us what you've been doing Oh, thanks, Don, for that. Well, we're keeping our distance. Unfortunately, we've had to close um, our soccer clubs, our football clubs, our bowling clubs. Everything's closed down at the moment, no sport, because the thing is, if people are really cooperative for 14 days, you know, it will make a difference. And I think 14 days is good. But unfortunately, we've had people that are, shall we say, not cooperative, and that's why it's gone a lot longer than it should have. But I'm hoping that, um, you know, uh, I was speaking to some people from other councils um, during the week and across the board, um, uh, that's both staff and councillors across the board in Western Australia realise that uh, junior sport, all the sports, you know, they they survive by membership fees, they survive by funding, they survive by um, money across the bar, etc. And if that goes out, what do they do? Um, it can be argued, like discussion beforehand, about you know whether players get paid or not, and um, and what do members get if they pay a membership fee and they get nothing for that. Mm. Uh, th- these are issues. Uh, and insurance is a main issue because a lot of clubs aren't covered for insurance, and a lot of councils and um, organisations aren't covered for this particular insurance either. 
so that makes an issue. I think what we discussed the other day was that if we don't charge any fees to all the clubs mm. and we try to keep that in abeyance, um, not, mm. car- not charge for... Um, if there's no one out on the ground, then there should be no lighting charges. Mm. Um, or oval feeds, mm. all those sort of things which contribute, we can put a hold off. Yep. But some councils aren't that viable to, you know, to do that economically. So it was discussed with some country councils the other day about how will they survive, mm. and and the works drives up and uh, dried up, and the fact that people aren't allowed to move into the country, the tourism is dried up. So it's got a catalyst effect everywhere. Mm. But I think if we sit there and realise, even though Australia is an island, mm. we're all sitting in the one island. Yep. We have to sit there and work together. Mm. And we can, if we pull our heads in for 14 to 21 days, mm. I think what will come out of it, it will give time for people to sit there and think about other resources, think about do we need 20 teams, do we need these facilities, um, do we need staff, should we change what we do with our staff? I think it's actually making people rethink what we're doing because the world has gone so fast, especially with technology. Mm. People haven't been able to just stop and reflect. Think, like, reflection yeah. time. Like, yeah. It is. And like mm. Shakespeare said, mm. you've got to stop and smell the roses. Yes. It's not good enough to plant them. It's not good enough to look at <laughs> yep, them. Yep. You've actually got to stop. I'd, and I think in some ways the whole sporting industry, mm. all government agencies, what personally people do, cleaning out your Tupperware cupboard, things like that, mm. that we put off, yep. um, will make a difference to everybody. And I don't think that uh, local government or anybody is actually alone in this. We've all got to work together. Yep. Liz, we are going to bid you adieu. Thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Great, as always, to catch up with your bubbly personality. Love your work. <laughs> stay safe and no. stay well. Well, yeah, I hope that you, everybody out there that's listening, because we go back to the old days of Coronation Street. Yep. <laughs> people go back and listen to the radio because um, it's important for people to sit there and think and know that together we can beat this and together we're going to come out healthier and stronger and happier. 100% yeah, right, Liz. Absolutely. Well said. Love your work, Liz. Thank mm. you for joining us. We'll catch up with your dad very shortly. Mm. Thank you. Okay, you take care. See ya. See you, Bye. Bye. That was Elizabeth Ree, councillor in the city of Stirling. If you want to ring in, now's a good time, 94942100. Before we go to a break, 94942100. Um, you've got Penn and Don in the studio, and we're having a, a reminiscing time at the moment, a walk <laughs> down football memory lane, and we've been chatting to Sheriff Andrews, the chair of Football West, and Elizabeth Ree, who is a councillor in the city of Stirling. We'll have a talk to her dad soon, but we'll go to a break right now and come back and chat more football, as we always do. Never run out of that. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. 
See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station sponsor. It starts with your hands. Please wash your hands frequently with soap or with an alcohol-based hand solution. With your elbows bent, please cover your nose and mouth if you sneeze or cough. If using tissues, dispose of them immediately. For your face, avoid touching your eyes, your nose, and your mouth. This can prevent the virus from entering your body. In terms of social interaction, take a step back. Stay one meter distance minimum from everyone that coughs or sneezes. If you feel unwell, stay home. Please follow all instructions provided by your local health authorities. A junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. This is Penn and Don on the World Football Program, 107.9 FM. If you missed the show, you can log on to Radio Fremantle website and the archive and the show pods podcast every Saturday. Uh, and the trainee in our studio has been Miranda Templeman, Junior Matilda, lives here in WA, and she did that advert that just played, and I'm so impressed. And on the line at the moment, we have young Miranda. Good morning, Miranda. Morning, Penny. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm well and safe, and so is young Don next to me. Hey, Miranda. <laughs> nice to have you on the show. <laughs> Geez, your days must be looking very different these days. No school, I suspect, and no football. What does that look like in Miranda's timetable? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a bit different, isn't it? Um, I've been doing our school work from home. Our school's been really, really good in managing that, year 12 and everything. It's a bit stressful for some people, not knowing, you know, what's going to happen with ATARs and waste and certificates and things like that. But um, we've been doing school at home. Teachers have been um, on video calls, helping us with things. And football, no football the main thing, I think. But um, our team's been good at managing that as well. We've got programs to do at home by ourselves, uh, strength programs, conditioning programs and football programs. So it's a nice little package they've put together for us. But the big question is, that sounds like there's a lot that's been put into a digitised way that's coming your way. When it actually hits your screen, do you open up the screen? Do you go, oh, man, 
I think I might just sleep in today? Or do you go, oh, <laughs> I've got to schedule this in my day and I've got to be very orderly about attending to that every day? Yeah, it can be a bit tempting to, you know, turn on the TV and um, just relax. But I think um, you've got to stay motivated um, and just think of the big picture. And I think what motivates me is just thinking about getting back onto that pitch and, you know, wanting to be in the best condition I can. Coming back from an injury as well, still rehabbing that. Um, still going to the physios, physios still open. So um, just trying to get in the best possible condition I can be to get back on the park. Does your team or teams or people in the programs that you're a part of, do they all video link somehow and talk about challenges and motivating each other and what the programs are and benchmark where you're at? Yeah, so I'm a part of NTC and we've had, we have video conferences every Monday evening um, and then on a separate day we'll have um, defenders and um, goalkeepers in one group and then attacking players in another group. Um, with our two different coaches for more specialised conversations. Um, and I think one of the fun things that they've organised is we have challenges. So every couple of days um, they put out a challenge. So I think the last challenge was a chest stall, so juggling it, catching it on your chest, and then keep juggling. So And then you get a certain amount of points for each challenge you can complete. So it's they're being creative, and I think it's encouraging people to be creative in the situation that we're in. Very good. You are a very motivated person. I can always hear that in your voice and you're definitely passionate about where you want to get to. So well done and thank you very much for ringing in. I appreciate that. Say hi to your dad and uh, you know, we've had to modify what we're doing and only have two people in the studio, which mm. means we have to kind of mm. modify our rosters and for you to get here, your dad has to get here and he can't be in here because of the social distancing and all that kind of stuff. So mm. We, mm. we appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Yep. And uh, we will catch yeah, up again with you. And uh, stay well and stay safe, everyone. That's it. Thank you. Too. Good on you, Miranda. See you, Miranda. See ya. See you, guys. Bye. Bye. It's Miranda Templeman just checking in with us. She's uh, yeah got a lot to be doing to finish her rehab. She's come back off of knee surgery. A young player who can definitely make the Matildas one day as a goalkeeper. Yep. And she's got her eye on the target. She's definitely got uh, the eye of the tiger, that's for sure. But yeah. um, she's also great, uh, great to get the perspective from the young generation yeah. as to how they're coping in you know these weird year times. 12. Yeah, in year twelve and all that. So it's tough times for the kids, but got to come from within. Yeah, strength comes from within. That's yep. it. We're going to go to a quick break, and yep. we're going to get Julius on the line. This is Penn and Don on the World Football Program. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle, one hundred seven point nine FM. In nineteen seventy-two. Under a scorching June sun, in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only World Game, the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. I love that promo. Pete, you are a star. Pete is part of our world football team, Legend. of course. Yep. <laughs> and um, in the back, that was Les Murray's voice in that yes. um, promo. And I actually had been pulling out a whole heap of old archive stuff um, and realising that we've been on air 
hang on, do the math, 1987, that's... 33 years? Wow. Woohoo! Yes, <laughs> us. And so that's a lot of CDs and old cassettes of shows that I have got to go through. <laughs> so when Miranda's dad says, Pen, let's podcast this, and I have to go back for a whole lot of old media releases and things, there's a lot of stuff to go through. And Les Murray has been in some of those old CDs that we've had, having a yeah. bit of a chat over a coffee and all kinds of things. So lots of memories there, that's yes. for sure. But the, the man that we've got on the line right now has probably got the biggest memories of uh, football in WA and... Uh, uh, welcome to the show, Julius Ree. Hi, Julius. Hi. Thank you very much for joining us today. We do appreciate that part of the Ree family. How is the times we're in right now affecting your out and abouts? So you are a man that just gets out there and watches the games and is involved in everything. How's the, how's the environment looking for you right now? Oh, it's a bit boring because I miss football. Uh, miss going out to it, of course. It's always something to look forward to. Yep. And uh, I was going to, even this year, we were so excited because we were going to play the Asian teams. It brought back a few memories, but well, it's just one of those things you've got to put up with, I guess. Yep. Now, I need to tell our listeners that uh, your part of your portfolio is you're a life member of Football West, you're a Hall of Famer. Um, you're former president of the ASF, which is the Australian Soccer Federation. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, the current body that governs us all is the Football Federation Australia. Previously, that was the Australian Soccer Federation. Um, how did that come about, Julius? That's a long time ago, and I believe um, as the first, you were the first president. Was that right? Uh, well, not really. I was first chairman of the thing. We sort of, sort of got it going. I chaired it for a while, but um, I was here for the first year. When we got it going back in 1960, 61. 61. Over the times. And then in 62, I came back to the state side and we come, I became president of the West Australia side. Yep. And, and uh, just going back... And I sat on the board for nine years with them but, uh, and took on many jobs as... As chairman, I was chairman of the referees for a while when we brought out a lot of the uh, referees from uh, from England doing schooling in Melbourne and all that sort of thing. And then I was chairman of the trying to get a Australian uh, team going, which uh, was very difficult because in those days we didn't have any money and most of the clubs had to pay their own fees to travel around Australia. Mm. And it was a big problem, especially when one year... Uh, we had a series that were winning everything right up to the final and uh, just out broke it. It was about $3,000 in the red on that one competition. So I wasn't chairman of that for very long. They, they didn't like it. But that was one of the things that led us into Asia. And I thought, well, if I can't play in the eastern states of Australia, I'll play in the northern part of Australia. We'll go up to Asia. And and that's what I did. Being in the travel, it was easy for me to travel. And then I went up and there was amazing games that being played in Kuala Lumpur. So they went up there and was very lucky. There was this Malaysian fellow sitting there watching the game, being very excited. And I got over and talked to him and he became very good friends. And it turned out he was the president of the, the Malaysian Football Association and the president of the Asian Football Federation and the Prime Minister of Malaysia. So he's a jackpot. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you got the whopper with a lot. <laughs> so, so I guess that would have led to uh, a contest. So that made me change positions a bit. You know, you sort of try to do something with Australia and then 
I rang Sydney in the end of 1960 and Sydney had broken away because they had stolen players during the Olympic Games in Melbourne and FIFA had suspended Australia from participating in any World Games of football. And so what happened was all of the sudden Sydney people didn't like it. Hakoa and Ape and a few of the others stole some of the top players from, mainly from the Iron Curtain country. And, of course, uh, that became a big problem. Mm. So when I rang up from Sydney and said, well, look, you're, you're barred, and I'm barred over here because I've got professional football and the amateur people didn't like it. Um, what about we do something? So we went around in the November of 1961. We managed to get representatives from whole Australia from the Australian Federation. That was the chairman's time that I was chairman and president of it. But, uh, and then after that, another year, sort of got a bit exciting more in Perth, so we went back to and I stayed with president, I became president of Australia. So that sort of answers that first question regarding the president. Yes, it surely does. So you did a fair amount of travel in the early 60s and setting up a, a lot of things when football across Australia was, well, young and forming at that time. So what about people that you worked with across Australia? You've mentioned some pretty high-end names in the Asian area. What about across Australia? Who have you worked with that we would recognise? Well, well mainly, mainly the association side of it, but at one stage in 1962, uh, 63, Sir Stanley Rouse, who was one of the world top referees at that stage, had just become president of FIFA. And Stanley uh, Rouse got to the and he said, you seem to be doing a lot of things around here in Australia. So I actually mentioned Melbourne when you organise the referees for England and all that to give schooling to our referees. Why don't you get into the Asian people? Because we've just given them two million pounds sterling to do promotion. And, uh, they really are very just starting. But it is, and I said, well, we had a problem, a politically problem at that stage. We had a wide Australian policy theory I tried to get into race. Politically, it was very hard. But I sort of thought, well, I'll brush that aside and just say, well, forget about the politics. That's what I read football, especially when I had <laughs> the president of Stanley Rouse as FIFA on my side saying to me, curious, push yourself into Asia. And that's sort of these things all got together and created. I was very lucky at the time to meet. To, to, I mean, how many times you meet the president of football? Yes, and Liz said when we were having a chat to her that back then there was less bureaucracy and politics, so if you wanted to get stuff done, you could get stuff done, pretty much. Well, yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah. I, I like to do things when people say you can't do it. Yeah. One, one of those things that uh, you looked at doing, Julius, I'm reflecting here on the 1964 yearbook uh, and in those days uh, my dad was at Olympic and uh, and um, Vic Eftos was the president but my dad, George Evans, was the uh, president two years before and, uh, and in this yearbook here in your... Um, uh, call it uh, the little w welcome you give to all the people who re read the yearbook. You talk about the 63 season was notable for the start of the new national championship competition where Northern New South Wales played in Perth in April and then it was our turn to visit Victoria and South Australia. This season WA will play matches against New South Wales, Queensland and Tasmania 
frequent interstate yeah. clashes and then you, you said it has been heartening to detect a healthy change in the outlook of all local clubs but you were disappointed that uh, WA was rejected in being in the Australian Cup which is now probably the FFA Cup um, so yeah. you, you were way ahead of your time yeah yeah they're the sort of things one thing the Australian the Australian Cup rejection was one that I thought could really put soccer on the map in Western Australia because it would have been the first one to really have an international side. Yep. An inter-nation side. Yes. And, and nobody could sort of understand it. Yes. People said to me, why are you going to Asia? I said, well, why are we playing football? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the world game. And that year, that year was the year that uh, Everton came to Perry Lake Stadium and uh, a young Mick Lyons, uh, who now lives in Western Australia, was uh, playing for Everton uh, in uh, in that memorable match in May uh, down at Perry Lake Stadium. We spoke about uh, Perry Lakes being a venue that hosted a lot of games and uh, was it AS Roma that came and played as well? Yeah, yeah. The evidence, the evidence side that came over at the time, uh, one of the sponsors in England said to Everton at the, at the stage, um, here's a million pounds and get yourself some good players and get Everton back on top of what was there again. So, and we were very lucky because the following year we got them here. Yes. We had a bit of a problem with them because uh, Sydney again, instead of sort of leaving it to us to do it, Put him into a shabby old hotel in, in the in the centre called the Savoy in the centre of Perth, and it wouldn't have been a five star; it would have been a five disaster star. <laughs> which is dreadful. And there's this million pounds in 1960s, which was a lot of money just, yep. to, just for one club to get them going, and we put them in this shabby hotel. Yeah, and of course the, there was big to do because the radios got to it, tapes got to it, yep. and I called Jimmy Richards rang me up and he said, I'm the manager of Ampol here in Western Australia and I think it's disastrous what these Eastern State people have done to you. Yeah. Disastrous of what's happening to sport in Australia, especially soccer. He said, I don't know nothing about it. I'm Australian rules now. He said, but I know there's a hotel, motel in South Perth. He said, it's a five-star. And he said, you the boys over there and I'll pay for the whole lot of it. And that was fantastic. Wow. So we... We got it. Everton said to me, "We're going to beat you fifteen nil." <laughs> and I said, "Oh come on, you know we're just battling. We're trying to promote the game." He said, "No, for what you people did to us, we're going to really kill you." <laughs> oh, they didn't beat us fifteen nil. They beat us fourteen one. Fourteen one. They gave it to us good and proper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 what you get for showing disrespect, WA. <laughs> we should have, should have treated them like royalty. But uh, I mean, we were talking about the fantastic uh, network of sponsors that were there in, in the day, and obviously, you know, you would have been uh, instrumental in developing those relationships. But you know, Ampol Petroleum for the Ampol Night Series, five hundred pounds back in nineteen sixty three. You know, for for a, that that cup competition. I mean, what, what would five hundred pounds now be worth? Probably fifteen no grand. Or twenty grand, something like that. I heard we had a big problem with the wacker brown because we had to make a mark out a pitch and not touch the wicket. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you do not touch the wicket. Oh, the that was sacred. In those days, that was the holy of holies. So you imagine trying yeah. to mark out a ground. Yes. For football, yeah. Without touching the wicket, right up to the end of the wicket, it was. Yep. 
<laughs> the corner corner flag would have been at the pickets, <laughs> and then you had Tom Dorsonio, you know, for uh, donating the cup for the federation's knockout no. competition. WD and HO Wills in the days of uh, cigarette advertising when Craven A yeah. prize money donated. EC yeah. Lawrence and Co. Uh, who uh, donated the Carbonell Cup, and then Wilkins uh, Wilkins Service for their invaluable help in the field of publicity. Coca Cola, you know, so you really uh, and you no, know Bur- Burley soccer balls. Uh, they were making soccer yeah. balls through the local company called Burley. Yeah. You know, they, these things were um, they, they, they were pivotal in uh, forming, um, helping form the game in Western Australia. And uh, you were. They never had them in Western Australia. You know, people, I used to knock on people's doors. I'd go down to Swan Brewery and talk to the general manager and say, you know, I'm here on behalf of soccer. And he'd say, do they play soccer in Perth? <laughs> <laughs> Because they did, and that was one of the good sponsors. He yes. he ended up giving a fellow call of a Jay Brockman and one of the radio stations to actually broadcast our night soccer. Yes, the Ampol Cup was actually broadcast the, the direct broadcast, which was just fantastic. Yep, we even had. Yeah, to... You couldn't believe what was going on, you know. And then when I said that the guys, well, then we've got to do something to get everybody together. Yeah. We didn't have the ground because we were a breakaway body and we decided to have double headers. Well, all of a sudden, you're getting five and 6,000 in a soccer game. You couldn't believe it. Oh, it was fantastic those days as a kid watching those games. I, you know, you were you, the people were five deep at Dorian Gardens or at Macedonia oh. Park or you know the Inglewood Reserve. It was just Bayswater. Bayswater was incredible. Bayswater Memorial. People we got in the afternoon. Eight thousand. While football, while football was on, they talk about wow. football. Yeah. Hey, Julius, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Glad to hear that you're safe, and I'm sure Liz is looking after you, as she does. And uh, I know that uh, you've got a knee operation coming up, and it's probably been put off because of whatever is happening out there, but uh, fingers crossed that you'll get on board with that and then you can be out and about a bit more yourself. But we we appreciate you joining us on the sure, show today. It's been lovely being on the radio. It's a long time since I've been on the radio talking football, so it's very nice of you. No problems at all. You stay safe and well, Julius. Good on you. Keep well, Julius. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye for now. That was Julius Ree of the Ree family. We are going to go to a break and come back and have a chat with Tom Samani. This is Penn and Don on the World Football Programme. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. To help stop the spread of viruses, like the flu or coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands thoroughly with soap and water. Whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose, prepare food or eat, care for someone sick, touch your face or use the toilet. Remember to cough or sneeze into your arm or a tissue. Bin the tissue and wash your hands. Together we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience. 
which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to what we saw right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Yes, young Miranda Templeman, who is uh, spreading her wings a little bit. We're doing a little bit more on the traineeship of being on the World Football program team appreciate that and it's nice to have some youth in the team isn't it don oh, absolutely that's the future of our great station here and talk football with uh, all the all the up-and-coming champions yes absolutely and a good morning to you tom samani or good afternoon wherever you may be nice to see you still keeping the program young Young yep. people. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, you know, young Tom is definitely uh, uh, as as important as young Miranda. So, Tom, you've you've been uh, you, you've been around the, the world of football for so long. Special memories in in the travels and times. What, what what's an outstanding memory that you have in the in the world oh. game? It seems it wasn't. Uh, I don't know about outstanding memories. You know, it's it's interesting they. Um, it's it's more a, a conglomeration of, of different yeah. get-togethers and different times you have together. But, um, you know, you have uh, some interesting things that, that happen along the way. I, um, I remember in uh, 2006 when I went to the World uh, Youth Cup with Alistair, Alistair Edwards, who was the coach of the team at the time. Yep. And we both went in, we both went into Russia and had our visas and the passports, which were in Russian, and of completely unbeknownst to us, we were down as being females. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I know Alice has probably got that feminine side. You know, <laughs> but, um, which, you, ahead of your time. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which we... Um, uh. <laughs> interest, what, which we laughed about, but of course uh, Russians don't have exactly have a sense of humour. So, you know, after forty five minutes in an interrogation room, yeah. we managed to get into the country. Wow! So, um, yeah, yeah. At first, it was like you know we just kind of laughed it off, and then suddenly yeah. we were um, escorted into this this separate rooms actually. And um, wow. I think I got out after about thirty five minutes. Now it's another ten or fifteen minutes later. Uh, well, did they look the like? Did they look you up on YouTube and go, "Oh yeah, he is who he says he is"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know if they had YouTube back in those no, days. No, it wasn't <laughs> happening back then. <laughs> I'm Pen. not sure. They, they didn't have those tools at their disposal. They, they probably went to yeah. uh, the KGB and said, uh, do, uh, "We got yeah. any photos <laughs> of these dodgy fellas?" <laughs> yeah, a couple of dodgy characters here. Yeah. Uh, Tom, it's interesting that you say you don't have any one specific uh, event or memory, and that you've got all these things that um, you can kind of draw from because you've you travelled yeah. a lot with football and you've been involved with uh, many different groups of athletes and people. And, and that in itself is a pretty good thing to be reflecting on, that you've got that you know whole lot of memories in your life. And, and I agree with that. Like for me, football has been a journey and it's brought a lot of people into my life and it's brought, brought a lot of fantastic places into my life. 
and a lot of different things. And I mean, I, uh, I've been on the fringes of the Matilda squad. You've been there as my coach. I've had some amazing players play beside me, Tracy Wheeler, Lisa Devana, uh, Colette McCullum, um, Lisa Casagrande, who was um, an amazing player, I, I thought, from uh, New South Wales, um, at, at different camps and championships and then travelling in World Masters football to Italy and New Zealand. There's brought many amazing people together and this is what the world game does and that's what I bring the most to, to my heart when I think of football and what it means to me. 100% and, and I think, you know, that the, the stories and things tend to come up when you're just sort of sitting around in conversation and suddenly a topic will come up and it will spark a memory from something that happened at some stage and uh, and you'll tell a story and as you start to get to my age, I'm sure when I'm sitting around the table with the New Zealand staff, it's probably got Oh, here he goes again. Here's another, <laughs> here's another story of something that happened, you know. It's, uh, it sparks the memory. And, uh, yeah, and, and you do it. I mean, you know, people, I think, invariably, when they, they, not the people themselves, but when people are talking about football or doing documentaries or things like that, it's all about, um, and rightly so, you know, achievements, you know, people that, you know, you've won this trophy, you've won this cup, you've done this and this and this. Um, but I think when you're in the game, and certainly for me, it's about the people that you've come across throughout the world, the places that you've lived in and the experiences that you've had, as opposed to saying, you know, was your most memorable uh, thing in football the time that, you you know, your team won this tournament or whatever. Uh, and for me, it's not necessarily been that. It's been a whole conglomeration of, say, people that I've met and the experiences that I've had in a multitude of countries around the world and being so fortunate to do that. Yes, absolutely. So what does the football landscape look for you right now? You're the Football Ferns National mm. New Zealand women's coach, but what does that bring at the moment? Not at the moment. At the moment, I'm in, in day 11. I, I returned, we were at the Algarve Cup and I went to the UK for um, a week or so after that. So I came back to Australia and I've been in 14 days home isolation. So mm. I'm in day 11 at the moment mm. so I'm not doing too much at the minute and my wife is working from home so she's made sure I've got the shackles on I feel that you know one of those dogs that you see in films where <laughs> they're chained up and the people walk past the, the, the uh, walk past the the, the uh the garden and the dog whooshes to the end of the garden and the chain pulls it back. Uh, I'm kind of like that. I'm under, I'm under house arrest at the moment, so not doing an awful lot. Well, I, I think over here in Western Australia, we think we're the most isolated place on the planet, but you guys over in New Zealand, I mean, it's certainly, you know, you've only got uh, a one death, which, you know, one death's still a death, but uh, 127 people have recovered out of 824 who have been confirmed as having COVID-19. Um, can you see New Zealand uh, pretty much coming out of this uh, earlier than than um, most countries around the world after this um, it, shutdown? It probably will, but I'm, I'm actually still based in Australia, so I'm uh, still based in Sydney. Uh-huh. So okay. I'm, actually, I'm actually here, and, and then I just go come back and forward whenever they need me because the, the players are kind of scattered all over the world as yep. they are these days. Yep. But I think, yeah, I think probably... I think New Zealand got on top of it fairly quickly. Mm. I think that, you know, it's a smaller country. Yep. Um, I think they've got a very good Prime Minister, and I think they've got a kind of, you know, the Kiwis are really, like, 
um, really good people, you know. Yeah, so yeah. You, you can sort of do things, and yep. and you, it's, quite, it's kind of common sense, probably another word. Yes. And um, so I think with all those factors, I think there's probably a better chance of uh, a country like New Zealand, you know, coming out of the this virus probably ahead of some of other countries. Yeah. So are you being requested by New Zealand or anyone else to, I don't know, develop programs or do video conferencing or, like, just engage in some way that keeps momentum happening? Yeah, and we do that. Like, it's been hard for me to do that because I'm kind of, like, stuck indoors here. But through our federation, we've, you know, got some of the other coaches and things putting out little videos and uh, um, development department doing that kind of thing. Uh, from a coaching perspective, we we have an, actually we have a daily Zoom where we just catch up and have a chat for twenty minutes. Not necessarily about football; it could be about anything, and um, just to kind of keep that keep that social that social contact. And then we do kind of have a a players WhatsApp group, you know, that we um, the way we tend to keep in touch with everybody and just sort of touch base every every week or whatever. Just with um, you know, just basically say is everybody okay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, we we spoke, speak about it uh, amongst each other as to how this world's going to change after COVID nineteen sorted out. Um, how do you see it um, in in terms of the football world? Do you see uh, a more a, a, a push towards um, you know grassroots rather than the um, let's call it the money. expensive money money circuit? <laughs> Because there's not going to be yeah, so much I, money around, is there? Mm. There's not going to be so much money around. But, I, th- I mean, I, it, it's hard to say, but I think um, that, that I think that will be the initial impact. I think the initial impact will be that, you know, people will be players, whether it be players or coaches or administrators, they'll be in a situation where, you know, the, the finances won't be perhaps what they were before. Um, and then I think probably whether it's a year or two years, life generally tends to get back to normal and um, and provided that we do get rid of this virus, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Mm. Yep, um, I think we're all kind of in that, uh, someone said it's me, limbo state right now. Yeah. But we're going into survival mode. I know for me and people in my surrounds, it's a matter of survival. It's a matter of keeping your social distancing, going to work if you're in those essential services uh, or you're in a, a service industry that's able to keep going and... It, abide by the rules so to speak um just uh, socially i mean there's still some i think up to this week there were still some schools open here yeah. um my daughter's been off school for two weeks she just didn't feel comfortable going to school yep. so she's got all this online stuff coming through and our club mum fc we've developed a coaching program for the kids mm-hmm. so the coaches have been kind of um, modifying that for our different groups and then sending that out to the um, different groups and then sending emails out, um, getting the families in touch with each other if they want to, like, Skype each other, the kids, or buddy up in some way, maybe not face-to-face on the grass, but, um, you know, how they do the video conferencing. I I don't know all this digital stuff, Tom, but they can keep in contact and do their juggle-ups with the toilet rolls and the balls and whatever else they're they're doing now. The Matildas are, you know, onto it um, and sending out stuff... uh, you know, fairly uh, regularly, even Football West has got their E-League happening now, Don. Mm. I'm not really into that kind of stuff, I must admit. Neither is Simon Hill, but I'm the, sure the, the it'll... Kids are, the kids are right into it. Oh, and, and, you know, the well, world's a changing place. We'll all have to get right. into things that we don't normally get into, I think, moving forward. 
don't compare yourself with a dinosaur like Simon Hill. Please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Simon's all right. He's a, he's a, a miserable Manchester City supporter. Um, <laughs> I hope he keeps his job. He's, he's number one match commentator as far as I'm concerned. No, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, everything um, everything will look different, won't it? I mean, with Fox, um, yeah. that they'll their sponsorships and partnerships will look different. Um, what they can cover will look different. Whether they'll be um, online with uh, A League in you know a year's time, who knows? Um, what we can watch is changing. I'm watching yeah. so many El Clasico revisions on Fox at the moment. It's crazy. I mean, they're great games, but there'll come yeah. a time when I'm like, Phew. There'll be something else I have to do here. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I do think there are definitely going to be some challenging times ahead, particularly for uh, the FFA, for example. I think, um, you know, at the moment they're going through some challenging times and, and this virus hasn't hasn't helped them. So for organisations like that, then I think that there are some, there are going to be some financially challenging and logistically challenging times ahead and uh, and I think the illegal come into that category as well. So, you know, and uh, and by default the W League. So hopefully, um you know, we get rid of this virus quickly and, and even if it's in a modified way we we start getting our football back again. Yeah, I, I think of some of the players on the fringe of maybe retirement or you know, where they might be considering not playing anymore and going into different areas of football. Um, I think of Lisa Devana, who's over playing or had been playing with uh, Juventus. Yeah, she's still there. Yeah. With, uh, with Florence. Florence, with sorry. Fiontina. Yep. yep, that's the one. Yep. Um, and I think of the Olympics, how it's been postponed and how some players might have played in that competition for the last time and how that's postponed for a year or so and they'll be ageing out. But now they've changed that, which is great, so that the players can play in that competition. And did, there's so many consequential things that we just we, – we're not imagining now, but just – will happen when things start to kick in as normal and will accommodate in different ways, Tom? I think so, and I think that's it's important. I think this this virus, you know, nobody's got the complete answers. And, I, and in some ways I think that's a good thing because it means that people have to be a wee bit more tolerant of things and um, have a bit more perspective and, um, and a bit more leeway to people. So hopefully, you know, one attribute coming out of this is that people, you know, are do have that little bit more tolerance with, with people and with, with things and patience with things that are happening. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I think they are. I think they absolutely yeah. are. Um, there's less people on the roads, by the way, which means there's less road rage, one would think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I'm noticing when I go to work, um, I'm in the service indus- industry, so we've done our social distancing and whatever, and we're still operating just a little differently. And I have to say that the staff at Gate and Fence Hardware and Oswest Fencing are absolutely bloody awesome. Love you all. You're keeping us going because they want to keep working. They want to put bread and butter on the table. So we've managed to do whatever it needs to be done to keep our business going. And look, if everyone thinks like I'm thinking and my family and my business are, then people will just keep working. We have an incredible work yeah. ethic in my family. It's called bloody mindedness mm-hmm. and nothing yeah. seems to hold us down. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was living uh, in New York in 2002, a year after um, September 11, and that had a, a significant impact mm. in in the the psyche in in New York, and um, and, and people were much much more, you know, t- you know, New York's not exactly considered the most tolerant places in the world, 
but it had a big um, impact on the people there and just generally even on the traffic and, and, and things like that for for some time. You know, people are a lot more tolerant and forgiving of one another. And um, and during that time, I think it was 2003, they had a massive, massive blackout with uh, one of the power stations. Um, uh, my wife got stuck in the city and, and all sorts of things happened. And, and it happened once before and there was all sorts of riots. And then when it happened that second time, People were actually out in the street helping people, uh, guiding traffic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think when um, events that we've got at the moment and events like September 11th, I think those things do tend to bring out more of the good things in people than the bad things. Yeah, uh, and that that is great. And I hope that we can be saying that moving forward because we'll be in this situation for a little while yet. It'll look similar to what it is, different and challenging, and us humans are pretty adaptable creatures, so... Uh, we will survive. Yeah, we will. And uh, by the way, I've got to say, um, there's some pretty unique things happening out there. Um, I don't know that everyone's going to remember the Not Happy Jan Yellow Pages ad from a few years back, but uh, <laughs> I say it in my household when I'm, you know... Not happy. Yeah, Jane. not happy. <laughs> my daughter who's 13, like the first time she's like, Mum, what is that? <laughs> and so I have to describe what Yellow Pages is because Yellow Pages is no longer a big fat print directory. Mm. And then the Jan part, you know, it's an advert, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then the Matildas have just got on board with a not happy Jan um, video ad um, with Lydia Williams. And I just laughed my head off and I showed it to my daughter, Rose, and she goes, oh, that's the one that you were telling me about, Mum. I'm like, yeah, that's it, kid. That's it. And uh, what's the other one that uh, people have been talking about? Uh, Life Unit. Life Unit Norm. Norm. Yeah, yeah, the big Norm. I don't know if you remember him, Tom, the big uh, Aussie guy with the big gut and he had to get out and it. be a bit more active and that so, was part of Australia's way of saying, come on, Australia, yeah, get outside. L- lose your fat gut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we are in that thing of, okay, uh, all this stuff is important to our mental, social and physical well-being. And at the moment, we can't do a lot of those things that help us uh, mentally, socially and physically to be well. So how do we go about it? How do we help each other do that in different ways? And that's how we'll move forward and, and we'll be safe and well. Definitely. Tom, it's been absolutely awesome to catch up with you. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, stay safe and well and we will catch up with you again. Sounds good. Look forward to it. Take care. Yeah. Good take, on you, Tom. Well, Tom. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. That was Tom Samani, who's the Football Ferns New Zealand women's football coach. And uh, I think he's in New South Wales. Yeah, that's where he said he was. Yep. And commutes back and forth to yep. the Shaky Isles, which, um, as I say, that's probably the most isolated, safest place on the planet, apart from uh, maybe Greenland or somewhere like that. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, we got Lennon Bags Groove coming up very shortly, but uh, we appreciate your support today, listening in. And uh, Don, as always, being part of the team, you've been a part of the team for a while now, Don. Yeah, I feel like the part furniture around part of the furniture. a little bit aged. Absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, the theme of Walk Down Football's yeah, memory was, lane was, was all nice. about Don. Good on you, Don. Yeah, I know. It was all about the beautiful people that we had, um, you know, to talk to. Lovely, lovely people. It's a shame we couldn't get the talk back um, really kicking in because time just went, didn't it? it just... Yeah, and we keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my wife's out there saying, will you shut up and let people ring in? <laughs> um, we do appreciate everyone that supports us and listens in and um, a big thank you to... Peter Wright, who 
lobs onto our World Football Facebook page and keeps posting things. Pete, you just keep on doing that. We love it. And all those people that are listening in because they couldn't get to see their girlfriends out of Western Australia or overseas or couldn't go on their family holidays or they're stuck somewhere and they're listening in, we appreciate you listening in, texting us and giving us any feedback or any of our team members' feedback. Next week, Sean's in and he'll be hosting for a couple of hours. Yes. Don, stay safe and stay well. You too, Pen, and to all our listeners out there, just, um, yeah, be be happy, be positive, listen to music and uh, especially the show coming up next with Len. See ya in the future, not too distant. <laughs>